Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with writer and author Susan Glennie. She is the author of Moments in Time with 16 Men. She writes to help readers to reflect and discover their true selves and how to go through stages of dealing with life's biggest issues. We cover quite a bit of good ground here. She's got a fascinating story. Enjoy. I think I'm ready. Okay, Susan, great to meet you. First and foremost, where are you coming out of? I'm coming out of... Hartford, Connecticut, which is in New England, and okay. of course, it's in the United States of America. Okay, yeah. Well, I'm in the middle of the map in Kansas City. We're just now starting to get kind of our bearings through the roller coaster ride we went through last week. So, oh, I um, know. Yeah, my heart goes out to you all. It's it's um, it's a very sad situation. I yeah. mean, it was highs and lows of extreme. Oh yeah, and that's a really a lot for a city to go through. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're we're good. Kansas City's a good place, so we'll we'll get through it. And I want to begin our conversation again a little bit with the heavy here. We all we're getting on the four year anniversary of this pandemic. How did you get through the pandemic, and how did it subsequently change you? Oh wow, I actually sometimes don't know how I got through the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, seriously, because yeah. Um, I was the caretaker of my mom, and she had COVID twice. Wow. And I also had to take care of, you know, a house of 50 years of all belongings. And my siblings are in other parts um, and they weren't able to do much. They're in other parts of the country. So the burden was on me. And I really felt like I have this overweighted, heavy backpack. And it was a real trial and tribulation because I think it was the lack of support. Because it's just, it's hard to get support in general sometimes, but you have it so that, you know, people are sick with COVID, so they can't help you, or just the extreme of the fear factor, people getting around people with COVID. So yeah, my mom, um, I visited her in the, ho um, in the nursing home, and I would do drive-bys with doing puppet shows for her from the window because I couldn't visit her. Wow. And, uh, and it was really very challenging because I would visit her through the window and have to knock on the window to see her in her bed. And um, I got my sister toward the end. She came from another state because I knew she was going. And my sister came up. And both she and I did our window visit. And it's freezing cold out. Snow's coming down. And we said, you know, I said, Mom, it's okay for you to go. And the following day, she went. I said, we're, we're going to be okay. But yeah, it was a tough time because I had to deal with the death of my mom and, you know, all the other factors. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, um, it, it was, everyone has a gripping story and it really, um, has changed. It's really changed the world inside and out. That's yeah. It certainly has. Yeah. I don't think there's any, any going back. So I'm curious. I know that you write, but I want to get a better handle on exactly what you do do. So I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders. It's career day. Yeah. One of the kids says, hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer that child? I'd say, I'm an author. And I got started late in life. I'm a late bloomer. And if you want something and you have the talent, you really, really can do it, no matter what age you are. And if someone says no, you find someone who says yes and believes in you. And it takes one person, just one, not a village, but one person to really support you in your endeavor in life. And you just keep going and you just do it step by step by step. Yeah. 
So let me ask you this. What did you want to be in the third grade? What was your dream? Interesting. I think I wanted to be a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was sort of what I was thinking of. And I also like to dance. I have a little bit of background um, in classical, you know, ballet and Martha Graham and like Twyla Tharp. And, you know, I like a lot of that. And, um, but back then for dance, my body wasn't built. You needed that sort of tall, sort of almost anorexic look. And, um, you know, I was a good performer and had the creativity on stage, but I didn't have the look. So that was one of the big drawing factors of ever trying to get into a company. And looking back now, I'm really glad I never did because it is so tumultuous of a career, both on your body and your mind. And it's really hard on your body. Yeah. Yeah. I have a stepdaughter that it's just dance is just, she's young, she's only 18 and it's just totally created situations that are going to last a lifetime. Yeah, mm, it's yeah. it's rough. I so, love dance. Yeah, it's I mean it's so beautiful. Yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. Bernishikov has a center in New York that's very cutting edge. That I'd like to go to see some of his performances. This is Mikhail Bernishikov. He has these dancers, and it's a really cool uh, building. And he has yeah. he stages all sorts of performing arts. So let me ask you this: What was the first book that you read when you were a kid that really made you love reading or want to write one day? Um, I would say it's interesting. There's it's it, they're like on opposite end of the spectrum. I read uh, a biography on John Kennedy. It was written by the nanny of the household in, in the White House. And this is wow. like a third grade, you know, so I had this sort of precocious side of really being very interested in people. And then yeah, the flip side is I absolutely love Charlotte's Web. That's my all-time favorite, even now. It's a very, it's a really gentle book, but it's really full of, there's a lot of stories in there for humanity, uh -huh. whether you're a little kid or a big kid. That is still one of my favorite books, and it's very well read. Excuse me, it's very well written, and it's also <laughs> read by a lot of people. So yeah, I'd say Charlotte's Web, and then this memoir <laughs> about the Kennedys. Yeah. Strange dichotomy, but you know, yeah. that's what my my mind was at in third grade. Yeah, yin and yang. Well, yeah. I feel like I know you a little bit because I've read the bow tie. So talk to me a little bit about the story. How did it come about? What's it based off of? I don't want to give too much away because we want people to get the book. Right. But talk to me a little bit about this story. Well, the bow tie is a spinoff of my first book. And for those who aren't seeing this in a visual fashion, I have a poster in the back of my, where I'm sitting. And I took um, my book covers, Moments in Time with 16 Men, and the bow tie, and I made them into posters, and they're framed behind me. And what's interesting is, like I said, the bow tie is a spinoff on one of the characters in Moments in Time with 16 Men. And I really wanted to address the themes of trauma and how people can heal. And I think that's the gift that I'm giving people is that it's a healing journey yeah. about a teacher, an award-winning teacher, Jennifer Grace Donnelly. And it's a healing journey. And when we read a lot about when people aren't doing well in their life, we see maybe the beginning of what happened and at the end, but very seldom does someone take you through the steps of what it's like to heal and really get into their head. 
And it's it's because um, I really did a lot of research on family trauma on books and things. It's not too often do I see the process. Yeah. And so, no matter who you are, we've all had sadness and some trauma in our life. And the key is to find your toolkit. And even you know, no matter um, how old you are, you can start young. And the toolkits really can change, but they're healing. For me, I do breathing. I can do that anywhere. It's like uh, you take one deep breath in. You let it out. And I take it in, hold it for four seconds and let it out. And I do that about three or four times. And I can do it in the elevator. I can do it with driving. And it doesn't take, you know, you don't have to make a, you don't have to uh, get it on Amazon. You don't have to make a, to go to the doctors. It's always with you. Yeah. And it's been said before, but it's so true. The breath is your best friend. And particularly in this culture in America, we're very shallow breathers. Um, I've noticed in other cultures, they're just much more, they breathe more and longer and deeper. And we're very shallow breathers. And it really um, is a disservice to you because your breath is really your best friend and your livelihood. And when you're stressed out, like before the show today, I just did a few deep breaths and it just relaxed me. So yeah. there's these little tools that Jennifer has. Yeah. And you learn about what tools can work for you. And as a human being, we're really made to evolve and grow. Now, some of us don't want to do that. <laughs> some of us never do it. <laughs> we're yeah. still the same. And so it's always, it's ultimately a human person, human being's decision. Does he want or she want to evolve and grow? And we don't always evolve and grow at the same rate. And sometimes we don't, but that's what we're here for. Um, yeah. You really, that's what Jennifer did. She learned to take the worst part of her life and just face it head on and deal with it one step at a time. Yep. And she evolved. And I think with healing and growing and trauma, people don't realize you're, you never, you're always growing and healing. And with trauma, um, it, there's a little residue that's always there, yeah. but it's a matter of when a situation comes up, you deal with it differently. You address yeah. it instead of suppress it. And that's the same thing, like as with pain, we're, as humans, we're kind of, wanna, we all want to run away from pain. I mean, who wants pain? You know, in the forest, way back when, thousands of years ago, we were running away from predators and we still have that wired we're wired for that so we'll do anything to avoid pain but that's the whole thing is with trauma or sadness or anger is it's really important to deal with it and then address it and kind of work around it with it like oh it's that trauma thing again or that flashback it's like you kind of can laugh about it you actually embrace it and then it slows down and actually kind of dissipates. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Who's been a hero for you, an inspiration for you in your life? Oh, wow. I'll tell you who recently has been. <clears throat> I have her book on my bookshelf. I'm looking over at Amanda Gordon. Mm. Call us what we carry. Yeah. She is 
a brilliant young woman who growing up, I believe she had um, a really bad lisp. Uh, you know, she considered a speech impediment and she overcame that. And to read poetry, you know, at the presidential inaugural is, is Yeah, she amazing. was in Obama's inauguration, yeah. Right. And she is brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. I think I have so much respect for her. It's interesting. She's like really little in time. I mean, she's age-wise uh -huh. too. I mean, she's so much yeah. younger than me. So yeah. we can have role models at all all ages. Um, and so I really um, respect her. And um, I respect really good writers. I just finished Lent Dennis Lehane, Small Mercies. He's great. Oh, my God. Yeah, Lehane's wonderful. He is. He's a Boston boy. And I just read Small Mercies. It's one of the best books I've ever read. And he gets inside his character's head like you would not believe. It's one heck of a roller coaster ride. And he's one of my writing heroes. So we can have heroes in different division, you know, different areas of our life. So I I remember reading him and I think Matt Damon read some of his work, I believe, because he's Boston. Um he he's from there. So I, I have a memory of that. It was like Shutter Island, I think. Yes, actually. Mystic River, Shutter Island, Run yeah. Baby Run. Yeah. yeah. And he also helped write The Wire. Now I didn't watch yeah. The Wire. It's a little too intense for me, but Yeah. Um, if, I mean, uh, he, he really rocks. And so yeah. he really is a role model for me. Cause I may write a thriller down the road called, um, the causeway, which takes place off an Island in Maine where life meets death is subtitle. So, you know, he can really give me a lot of inspiration. Dennis is my man. <laughs> I just put that book on hold. So small oh. mercies. Yeah. Oh, it's phenomenal. Wait, but I'll get there. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this. You may have already answered it, maybe not. If you could meet one person on the planet right now that you find fascinating, spend some time with them, who would it be? William Shakespeare. Okay. He is phenomenal at the English language, and he really captures so many essences and so many emotions and so many stories of people's lives. He gets it. He really gets it. Yeah. So what is the, so this is kind of a two-part question. Yeah. What, uh, what eventually pulled you in at this age of your life to write? And what is it that gets you out of bed every day to create stories, to, to write, to do what you do? Um, I got to writing. Well, first I, I used to write, um, occasionally for like school newspapers and I did the photography. And then later in life, I started doing um, freelance work and I was a feature writer and I did the Sunday editions and they kind of got a two for one deal for me. So I would do the photography and the writing and they didn't have to pay for a, a photographer yeah. to come. So, you know, I mean, it, yeah. and they, I got the cover stories. So they kept asking me more and more like, you know, why don't you write more and more? And then, simultaneously inside me my heart kept beating like like it was like trying to pull at me like a like a little kid trying to pull at a parent like ah. and i was like what's going on here and i kept it i ignored that for about two years and it said you've got to stop writing uh journalism and you've got to start writing these stories yeah and so i did and i it is it was a big i wrote short stories and they were kind of light and I gave them to my editor and she said, something's missing. 
you aren't digging enough. And she was absolutely right because I didn't dig enough because they didn't want to deal with my own pain. So what I did is I went back and um, I did a lot of research and I went back and I redid Moments in Time with 16 Men, got it published, and I dug deeper into trauma and pain and then the bow tie came out and it's my best work. So it was really a calling for, uh, I would say it's a combination of, it's true, healing, when you write, it heals you. Yeah. Even if you're writing comedy or anything, there's a healing process. Just with the whole process, the creative process of writing. Mm -hmm. It's like if you're dancing or playing music, there's beautiful creativity that comes out. Yeah. And it is also, my book is very healing. Um, I've had other people read and saying it's, it's healing for them. And so it's a twofold. And what's really nice with the portion of my book, each book sold, a percentage goes to the... Um, have it on a piece of paper, my cheat sheet, because I can't say it always. New Horizons Domestic Violence Services in Middlesex County, Connecticut. And so when you read the book, you're not only helping me as an indie right, uh, author, writer, but also you're helping other people get their lives on foot again. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So let me ask you this. Of all of the things that you've done, overcome, and achieved in your life, what are you the proudest of? I'm proud that I've overcome my past trauma and I live a really healthy life. And my heart goes out to like other people in the world, like in the Middle East and Russia and Bosnia and, all, you know, just uh, what's happening with Ukraine and all that. Um, because their trauma is going to come up down the road and it's going to be devastating. And it's some people can't heal. Some people just aren't equipped to deal with their trauma. They just don't, and they end their lives. Others are able to. Um, but I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud of how far I've come. And it's, an, you know, it's, and I'm living a happy, fulfilled life. I've been on a spiritual path for about 40 years, 35 years. You know, I've done meditation and yoga and outdoors. And the outdoors is my like religion. It's, you know, I'm outdoors year round. I mean, I really should be uh, <laughs> living in the Nordic somewhere of Scandinavia because I'm just out outdoors and I love outdoors. And I like going at night when it's very quiet. Yeah. It's the moon in the snow and the moon yeah. sprinkles on the snow and it glitters. Yeah. It's absolutely stunning. Oh yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this, if you had a dream tonight, you ran into the 18 year old version of you and you could give that young version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom that you've gained in your life up to this point, what advice would you impart on that young version of you? I would say to really believe in yourself and trust yourself. And trust is a word is a hard word. If you say to myself, I trust myself, you ask yourself, do I trust myself? Trust is a very loaded hard word. You can say I respect myself. But I think trust is hard. I would say believe in yourself and keep going. So everyone out there has an idea of who they think you are mm -hmm. based on 
reading your stories based on who you are, family, friends, fans, but you ultimately run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? It's really funny. I'm twofold. Um, I have a side to me that's like um, really silly, really funny. Like I'm the type of person who will give out kids Valentines on the street or something. I mean, I love being silly and funny and I make people laugh a lot and I put people in a good mood. So I really like being silly and funny and not taking life too seriously. And then I have a side that's um, like, I'll say the F word or something. You know, it's like, oh my God, it's, you know, it's like, and uh, I feel like, you know, I could be in maybe Dennis Lehane's book. Um, So, you know, I I say this and it's like, hmm, maybe I should start saying the F word a little less. I'll have to replace it with something, but I haven't figured out what to replace it with. And then I have um, a very poetic side, you know, because I was on a podcast someone another time and the guy says, do you write poetry? So I have that poetry lyrical and i think that's from my dancing side it's very lyrical almost um ballet like so i have these sort of components that are very contrasting yeah so you never know if you're gonna get me at what day (laughs) yeah it's good to be a chameleon for sure yeah well i gotta tell you i really enjoyed reading the bow tie it was hard because i just think that we live in a culture where that happens too often and it's very very um disheartening especially Mm -hmm. as a male to see that that kind of thing's happening as much as it does and i don't Mm -hmm. think people understand how frequent those things probably Mm -hmm. happen and how this story is emblematic of a lot of people in the world Mm -hmm. that's true um it's the big thing is you never know what goes behind closed doors yeah and it can happen anywhere yeah and um go ahead no no i was just going to say if anyone wants to pick up the bow tie Moments in Time with 16 Men. Reach out to you, learn more about you. The good business, where do they go? Well, you can go to Susan Glennie, G-L-E-N-N-E-Y, that's one word, dot com slash newsletter and sign up for there. And you'll get to know more about me, my silly side and my <laughs> not so silly side. And then, of course, you can go to Amazon and you can get it there. And I have the bow tie in moments in time with 16 men. And I'd love to hear more from readers and how they love the book or what their comments are. That'd be super appreciated. And again, a percentage goes to the New Horizons Domestic Violence Services in Middlesex County, Connecticut. Well, I I absolutely urge everybody to run out and grab your books. Thank you so much for opening up your world and your story with us here. Best of luck with everything. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Joe, for having me. I truly appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time.